All right, fam. <clears throat> We're going to get to this good word. Um, you've heard me say this before, but you never want to uh, get tripped up by the the messenger. You always want to go after the message. And, you know, we have different people that come through this movement to speak. I probably speak 60, 70% of the time. Others, you know, share. But sometimes, you know, you could be like, oh, I just wanted to hear from Mark or Jason or someone, you know, and then someone else comes up. You're like, oh, I know them. I actually lived with them for a year. It's not that impressive how my family feels about me, you know, no honor in your hometown or your house. No, they honor me, kind of. Um, Anyway, back to this. (laughs) Um, But... The truth is, like, God can speak through anyone. God spoke through a donkey in the Old Testament. Like, he could just take anyone, hijack a mouth, and go for it. And so, I just want all of us just to be teachable, whoever comes and shares from the front on Sundays. And we're honestly so blessed in this church to have so many powerful people who love God, who can carry the Word of God. Uh, Today, Rylan and Josiah are sharing. And these guys are remarkable. Thank you. It's really true. Um, and if you didn't know this, Jesus was only 33 when he got crucified. He's a pretty young dude. And then the disciples, they think, were probably all 21 and under besides Peter because uh, he had to pay taxes, scholars think, so you're over 21. Um, but truthfully, like, just God has always worked through young people, but he's worked through, obviously, all ages. Um, but in the Bible, we just see uh, the Spirit falling on many, many young people. So, Rylan, I think you're going first. Okay, come on up, brother. Um, I'm Rylan. If I don't know you, it's me. Um, and before I speak, actually, I've been thinking about this class I took in college a lot. And every time we started class, we did this grounding exercise where we'd like close our eyes. You focus on all your other senses, so what you can feel here. Um, and so I wanted to actually start with that before we do that. So I'll keep track of time. But if everybody wants to close their eyes um, and we're going to start with there. Yeah, God, thank you so much for this church. Thank you for this opportunity to speak. Thank you for all the people that have poured into me um, who have shown me more of who you are. I pray that in this time um, you just show people more of who you are and that this would be a time where we're challenged, um, where we grow, and where we get to know more of you. So, amen. So if you have a Bible, I'm going to preach from Genesis chapter 1. Um, it's the, like the first part, so it's really easy to find. Um, and we're going to start in verse 26. Someone who's finding it, if you want to throw a thumbs up so I can gauge. Sick. So verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, and the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. 
So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every living thing that moves on the earth. So what I really wanted to highlight um, and that verse is that the Christian creation, uh, the Christian creation narrative. God creates humanity in His image, and then He blesses them. So the first thing we have is God creating humanity and then giving them a blessing. They're made to image a creative God who has crafted a world teeming with life and beauty and potential, and then they immediately receive a blessing. And the blessing is to fill the earth and to subdue it, to rule and to reign over the good creation that God has made, and to summarize that humanity is created to, with the purpose of reflecting and reigning, reflecting the image of God and reigning over creation. Um, so I really wanted to focus in on kind of those two things and talk about how the things that we do, the work that we have, all stems from an understanding of who we are as the image of God. And so starting with what the image is, the word that's used is this uh, Hebrew word that I think is selim, and it appears throughout the Old Testament. It means idol. It gets translated as idol a lot. Um, and so the verse is essentially saying like, oh, you're the idols of God. And if you know, like Israel's story, they're not allowed to make any idols out of anything. And that's partly because they believe that God can't be reduced to one thing that's been created, but it's also because God's already made idols of himself and humanity. Um, the other time that phrase is used a lot is in surrounding nations outside of Israel, and it's used to refer to the king. So the various kings and pharaohs and leaders are believed to be images of God who are enacting his will through reigning. Um, and what's crazy about the Christian narrative is that you have a God who's saying, oh, it's not one person, all of humanity is made to rule over the earth, all of humanity is made equally to steward it. Um, so this narrative says that we're all kings and queens who are going to push God's creative, you know, beginning forward. Um, so from there we get into what it means to reign and to subdue the earth. Um, God creates humanity to fill the earth and to subdue it. And in Genesis 2, it says that the purpose is to work the field or the garden and to take care of it. So you have this image of humanity being called to work the ground and to steward it for its betterment. So you have this kind of cool thing where the first humans are naturalists. They're taking care of the earth. They're harnessing potential and materials and creating communities and homes. And if you know the story of the Bible, we start in this garden, but we end in this city where there's a river that flows through and there's all the same imagery from Eden that's now transplanted into this city. Um, and the labor that they're doing is good work. It's all from the onset, something that is a blessing to people is to do this work. And a lot of the time I think we can view like, oh, it's Monday and like work's the curse and I have to work and my job sucks and my life's awful. Um, but work has always been something that God intended as a blessing. It's something we partner with God in where we steward, you know, the resources and the people around us and we collaborate and we build something really special. Um, and I think that when I was preparing for this, something that kept coming to mind is how 
how Christian people have an opportunity to steward their environments and their workplaces to do something where we aren't just kind of pillaging the earth for and people, I guess, um, for personal profits, but it's something that we're getting to do and, you know, create new life and create spaces where people are empowered, where we're taking care of the planet. Um, and so I wanted to kind of like focus in on that and say that we aren't, oh, wait, I already said that. <laughs> oh, there we are. So this humanity that we're talking about, this kind of like perfect view of it is actually modeled by Jesus. And we see Jesus coming in and Jesus is, you know, leading as a servant. Jesus is blessing people who are unblessable. Jesus is prioritizing the people around him above himself. And Jesus is able to do that because Jesus has a strong identity of who he is. Um, and I wanted to, us to think about how our understanding of ourselves as the image of God would drastically change how we go about every job that we're doing and all the work we do and um, how even Jesus needed to be reminded at his baptism of who he was. And um, yeah, so I think where I kind of wanted to leave us and what I wanted to kind of set the stage for, for Josiah speaking was thinking about how there's this relationship that we have in the Bible between the work we do and the rest we have. And we're trying to hit this balance or we're invited into this balance where we get to work and we get to push the kingdom forward, but we also get to receive rest. And God's created these systems where, you know, we, we get to pour out and we get to do that. But in Sabbath or in prayer and these things, God is supposed to fill us up and empower us to do new works and good works and creative works. Um, and so the question I kind of want to leave us with is like, what does God put in front of you? Like right now, not what, not even what the dream is, though there's a place for that and that's a good thing. But what are the things that God has in front of you right now to steward? You know, where are you invited to push that creative vision forward? And um, what does it look like to invite God into those spaces? And so I think Josiah is going to come and hit it off. Is it going to feed back if I walk in front of it, Mark? Hello. Okay. I have my Bible, the sword. And my phone for some notes. I promise not to go over three hours. <laughs> um, yeah, let me just let me just pray real quick. It's always good to pray, <laughs> right? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for this day. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for stewardship. We bless you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Ryland and I had a really great conversation today about stewardship and what it's looked like in the Bible and what it's 
what it's starting to look like in our lives on a practical scale and just the just the balance the the marriage between those two because a lot of what reading and understanding the scripture uh can be for someone's life is to read it to understand it to pray it out and then to see it come into fruition in your day and day out um i've been seeing that more and more that that when i actually take time to ask the lord like how is this being applied in my life i'm like wow like i actually start to see it because i'm i'm becoming aware of it i'm becoming mindful of it so that's what stewardship has been for me in the past really like two months it's been like crazy increase um and uh yeah i would like to talk to you guys about a couple points regarding that so with stewardship first and foremost i think about the heart posture of stewardship so when we are living our lives when we are coming into contact with other people when we are worshiping the father like how is our hearts postured towards him and does that reflect the way in which our hearts are postured in the day in day out so we all go through work or school or family or friends and the ways in which we worship the lord that is the fruit that we will be bearing in those moments of our day in day out um So when we take time to meet with the Lord and ask like God how can you have your way in the things that I am accomplishing in life right now the things that I've been given the increase my portion my week in week out um you're literally inviting Jesus into those things sorry I keep going like this cuz there's this weird phase thing that's um, it it sounds really crazy right here um you're inviting jesus into your day you're you're consciously saying that jesus i welcome you into my school jesus i welcome you into my work i welcome you into this friendship i welcome you into this relationship um stewardship is not about how many things you can do in a week successfully it's not that uh stewardship is also not about striving it's not about how many events you have on your google calendar stewardship is about entrusting in the lord everything that has been given to you and faithfully serving him in that um that's what it's been for my life and that's what he's taught me that's what my parents have taught me um that's my mom and dad alex and katherine hike <laughs> Yeah. What a joy it is to be able to stop and reflect and for someone to ask, "Yeah, how are you how are you able to do so many things?" The other day one of my friends asked me, "Dude, how do you do so many things in your week?" And like, honestly, I don't know. It's literally the grace of God that I'm able to do all the things that I do. I don't know. <laughs> But what I do know is I have the spirit of the Lord living within me. that is alive and active every single day that i wake up and i choose to bring him into my day to fill the day with jesus to share jesus 
to make him a part of my decisions. That's what stewardship is to me. And, and I, I take joy in that. And he takes joy in that because he knows that he can have his way in those things that you're accomplishing. <laughs> um, yeah, so like core fundamental attribute of just who we are as disciples, loving the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. Um, you know, in Luke, in ten nineteen, four it talks about that. Jesus says, like, listen carefully, like, or in some translations it says, like, behold, like, I've given you authority to trample over serpents and scorpions. Like, Jesus has given all of you authority. I'd hope for all of you to really know that and to come in to communion with that. Like, I have authority. If there is something that's trying to distract me, if there's something that's trying to take me away from the presence, you have authority to trample on that. Every single day, it's accessible to you. If you, if you call Jesus your savior, king, that's accessible to you. Um, it's no longer I that lives, but Jesus who lives in me. Right? So from that place, understanding that we, we have Christ within us, right? We abide within him and he abides within us. And through that, we're able to have this whole and complete and perfect union like with Jesus when we're in that constant place of understanding that Jesus is with me, his spirit is with me, and that when I feel a little overwhelmed with life, like I feel like there's a little too much going on, because <laughs> I'm sure all of us have been in that place where like, I don't know how I'm going to accomplish this. I don't know how I'm going to do this. This feels like super stressful or I have anxiety or like, I don't, I don't know. Um, I know I've been there many times. And I just hope that you'd be encouraged that in those moments you can stop and you can pause. There's not a rush. And you can ask for the Lord to minister to your heart. There really is not a rush to try and figure it out. The moment that we start to try and figure things out out of our own strength, that is when we're taken away from our, our eyes being just fixated on Jesus. That's when I start to say, oh, I'll do it my way. I'll start doing it on my own strength. I'll go over here. I'll go over there. Oh my gosh, I'm exhausted now. Okay, I'm going to run over here and do this thing. I'm going to meet with this person. And then I'm going to go accomplish this other thing. And it's like, we all have our responsibilities and our things that we do in our week. It's, it's not a matter of doing or non-doing, like we all, are, we all have our own lives, but it's a matter of communion with the Father. Um, you are all children of light, right? Every single one of us, children of light. So when we are asking for the Father to be present in every which thing that we do and say, from that place comes light into that environment. The fruit of your time with the Father is light into the environment that you step into. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Um, like, 
Ryland said there's there's systems set in place, right? In scripture, there's instructions for if we do feel overwhelmed, we have Sabbath, you know? There's there's a lot that scripture talks about with Sabbath. Um, it's not a, a matter, and Ryland, we were talking about this just earlier. It's like, it's not a matter of whether or not you have to be so like devoted to practice Sabbath every single week or not. It's, it's just, it's there, it's a resource. If you do feel overwhelmed, if you feel tired, if you feel spent or taxed, like Sabbath, Sabbath is there for you, right? It's like set apart, it's a reminder. Like literally we can go back in scripture and be like, oh yeah, like, that's what I can do. I can do Sabbath to feel a little restored, to feel a little rejuvenated. Um, sleep is awesome. My parents know that I'm like religious about my sleep. Like I have to get my eight hours like every day. <laughs> There'd be nights where I'd be going to sleep at like 8.30 and they'd be still watching TV. And I'd be like, hey guys, I'm going to go to sleep. Uh, if you could keep it down. You know, <laughs> it's this like so funny. Um, but I really value sleep because sleep um, in my relationship with the father is a form of worship. The extent to which I can rest is the extent to which I can pour back out into other people's lives. If I'm not well rested, how is the Father to expect of me to have enough energy or capacity to be able to pour into my community, into my work environment, into my school, whatever I may do, like telling the Lord, yeah, actually, Lord, I honor you with my rest. I really do. Um, Unfortunately, that's not something that I realized until just the past year or two. (laughs) Um, You guys, the revelation of grace. Can everyone say grace? Grace. Just say it. Grace. Grace. Okay, so I grew up in a church, my parents can attest to this, where I would literally be in Sunday school, and out of nowhere, there would just be hundreds of people shouting at the top of their lungs, grace! Like, and, I, and everyone would just be like, whoa, like, what is going on? Um, and it wasn't until I started maturing in my relationship with the Father and I started to understand more of that revelation of the grace, the outpouring of grace. In every single one of your lives, you've been given a grace gift from our uh, relationship with the Father, what he speaks to us and what he says is uh, like what is appointed to your life, that comes from grace, Our capacity, our ability to love people is from grace. So I'd hope that you know if you do feel overwhelmed, if you you feel like, oh man, I'm really trying to do all these things really well. I'm trying to balance all of the building blocks of my week. If you don't feel like you're doing that well, it's okay. I'm really, I'm here, like, if there's nothing else other than this that you take away from this time, I'm here to tell you that it's okay to not be okay. (laughs) Like, just to ask for grace. Like, in any which moment that you feel concerned, anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, spent, just ask for grace. Just ask for grace. 
It's accessible at any which moment. There's an overflowing, abundant, unlimited amount of grace from the Father. Um, the last thing that I just want to encourage you guys with is stewardship is not striving. Stewardship is celebration. When we are in community with one another and we see other people leap forward and go to new heights and new depths, we celebrate that in one another. We, we should really be celebrating that within one another. I celebrate your ability to trust in the Lord with that thing that you've just been given. Wow. Because then all of us are being encouraged by the trust that we are exhibiting in the Father to be able to receive that thing. Yeah? Yay. Yay. <laughs> I love saying yay. I'm sorry if you've ever been distracted by me saying yay in service. Yay is like my amen. <laughs> um, okay. I want to read Psalm 91 for you guys. This is what I'd like to close with. If we could just be postured in a, in a place of peace with the Father, knowing that he's, he's, he's given you the instructions to live life sustainably. He knows the plans for your life, the purpose for your life. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to read over this. When you sit enthroned under the shadow of Shaddai, you're hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me. The only God for me in my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. And he will protect you from false accusations and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing, whether by night or by day. <sighs> demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil launch be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster, with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they will be there for you and keeping you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. Hallelujah. For here is the Lord. Here's what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you have delighted in me as my great lover, I will greatly protect you. I will set you in a high place, safe and secure before my face. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray. And you will find and feel my presence even in your time of pressure and trouble. 
I will be your glorious hero and give you a feast. You will be satisfied with a full life and with all that I do for you. For you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Amen. So good, so good. Thank you. Appreciate that, Ryland, Josiah. Wow. It's a good word. You know, that Genesis uh, mandate, you know, made in his image, made in his likeness. You know, everyone's in the image. We're all growing in the likeness. But, you know, Jesus said something very profound. He said, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And I just want you to hear that. Like, literally... Jesus is saying it's the Father's good pleasure to entrust his kingdom to you. And you're like, well, I'm not a king or a queen. (laughs) But you actually are a son or a daughter of a king. And every one of us actually has dominion over different areas that you've been entrusted with right now on earth to steward. How about that bed you're laying in? How's that going? Right? When you wake up, just make it. You're like, I'm going to bring dominion to my bed. (laughs) How's that car? How's it keeping it clean? Stewarding unto the Lord? School, work? See, we're training for reigning if you don't know that. The Bible actually says we're going to be entrusted with cities. We're going to be judging angels. And when God redid humanity over through Jesus, the firstborn among many brethren, he brought forth a new creation, a new humanity in the earth to steward the world unto him. So that Genesis mandate is still going, but it's through your life and my life when we're in the marketplace, when we're in school, when we're taking care of, you know, you go into Starbucks, you see trash. Hey, how about we pick it up? Why? Because it's unto the Lord. We're bringing his stewardship. What would Jesus do if he was in that place? This making sense? And like Josiah said, I can't emphasize that enough. It's all by the grace of God. It's a, I get to. I don't have to, but I get to. There's a joy in bringing stewardship. There's a joy in partnering with God and building things and creating things and doing things with him. That's why the Father's like, it's my good pleasure. Jesus like, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And then what's the kingdom? The kingdom consists of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Ha ha. Ha ha. Isn't this a good kingdom? I mean, righteousness, peace. I mean, this is what people are longing for. And then joy, this is what the kingdom consists of. So when we're letting the Holy Spirit live his life through our life, we begin to see righteousness, peace, and joy in our life. Somebody. All right, I'm going to give you one last verse. It's by Jesus. Travis, if you can come back up here, and Caleb will just end with a song. This is in Luke 16. It's my favorite verse on stewardship. Um, But Jesus says this, If you're faithful with little, your bed, maybe give you a queen bed, a king bed one day. If you're faithful with little, you'll be faithful with much. If you're faithful with somebody else's, Hello, anyone working for a boss? Faithful with someone else's? You'll be faithful with your own. It's not like, oh, once I get my company, I'll run it like this. No, no, how are you working for someone else's company? Because that's how you're going to be. And then he says, if you're 
if you're faithful with unrighteous wealth, money, funds, how you're using your time, all that, you'll be faithful with true spiritual riches. <laughs> Guys, somebody, this life is short. You're just, one day you're going to go, whoop, whoop, hello, this is glory. You know, and the Father is wanting to entrust his kingdom. And we're not even going to get into eschatology today, but I don't believe God's scrapping this world. A lot of theologians and early church people do not believe things are going to get scrapped. Rather, we're going to be rebuilding the earth with God. Like some of us may be entrusted with Isla Vista, and they're like, you get the swing, you block. You're like, dude, right on, you know? And we're bringing his glory and his government and his goodness and his beauty to this city. Some of you are like, dude, not Ivy. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. You'll get Bakersfield. Bless you. <laughs> All right, no offense if you're from Bakersfield. Bless Bakersfield today, Lord. All right, amen, amen.